The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of Audlin Brown, BD Developments, Stem Cell Technologies, and listeners like you. According to the Food and Drug Administration in the United States, there are more than 2.2 million serious adverse drug reactions in hospitalized patients causing over 106,000 deaths annually. The British Pharmacological Society in a fatal adverse drug reaction global study says adverse drug reactions are the most common cause of hospital admissions and one of the top seven causes of death. In Canada, Amani Sani's sister had a critical adverse drug reaction to an over-the-counter medication. Her sister's near-death ordeal led her to investigate the causes and rate of hospitalization and death in Canada. The numbers were disturbing. She says there are an estimated 200,000 adverse drug reactions in Canada and more than 10,000 people a year are dying. As well, the cost of the healthcare system exceeds more than $13 billion. I invited Amani Sani to join me for a conversation that matters about the work of Adverse Drug Reaction Canada and its mission to reduce ADRs. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me, Stuart. It's a pleasure to be here for this conversation that impacts so many Canadians. It's something that is so uh, vitally important to understand because we want to believe that I take a medication and then I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Over the counter and especially if it's prescription. Mm -hmm. But as the numbers suggest, uh, that is far too frequently not the case. What's happened that we're in this situation that we're seeing these adverse drug reactions? Yes, so every year there are about 200 severe, 200,000 severe adverse drug reactions in Canada and up to 10,000 um, uh, from t anywhere between 10,000 to 20,000 Canadians could pass away from an adverse drug reaction every year. So, um, and, and to be clear, mm -hmm. we're talking about uh, uh, like over-the-counter and prescription medication. We're not talking about street drugs. Yes. We're talking about you go through the, the system that you believe is there to protect you. Yes. So according to the World Health Organization, they do have a definition for what an adverse drug reaction is. So an adverse drug reaction is the unintended consequence of taking a normal dosage of a drug that was properly prescribed to you given to you usually by a physician, and this was given to you because it was supposed to have beneficial impacts. So this means that it was supposed to help you in treating your illness, your sickness, your and or a disease that you may have. But instead of it having a positive benefit on your body, it turns out being a negative consequence. So those consequences could include prolonged hospitalization, damage to kidneys and organs, blindness, um, hearing loss, and in some cases, it could even result in death. How is it that we're in this situation? Because, you know, to, for a drug to get approved, they go through rigorous testing, mm -hmm. and yet there always seems to be these uh, surprises. Is that because uh, without a, like, a fully extensive sort of a pharmacogenomics uh, process, we can't know for certain how one or any one person is going to react to a drug. 
Mm -hmm. Yes, that's correct. Um, so there are clinical trials that happen before a drug is approved by Health Canada. So we see that there are certain segments of the population that traditionally have not been included in clinical trials. For example, um, if you look at jurisdictions around the world, women are 50 to 75 percent more likely to be impacted by adverse drug reactions. So the reason for that is um, that when it comes to clinical trials, traditionally drug companies have not included women in those. So when it, it, it doesn't seem remarkable in 2023 yes. that that's the case. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. So um, so when it comes to pharmaceuticals and when it comes to clinical trials, um, the argument for why women have not traditionally been included is that because when you are testing a product on an individual, you need to ensure that your variables are kept the same. And if when you include women in clinical trials, it's difficult to achieve that because women could get pregnant. They go through a menopause. They have their menstrual cycle. So because the variables are always changing, um, pharmaceuticals have decided not to include women. And that is wow. highly problematic mm -hmm. um, because when you look at the bodies of women, the bodies of women are very different from the bodies of males. For example, women have smaller, um, they have smaller kidneys. Women have more fat on their bodies. Women tend to have lower iron levels. And female hormones impact how drugs are metabolized by the liver differently. There, there's much more that we can do, more factors that we can take into consideration. Right now, you can have a 200-pound male of French descent and an 18-year-old girl who is... Um, for example, of South Asian descent and weighs only 100 pounds, but at the back of the prescription bottle, it will give the same instructions. It will say, if you're over the age of 18, um, take a tablet every four hours, for example. If I'm going to go take an over-the-counter uh, uh, medication, is it incumbent upon me to seek out the, the, the proper kind of uh, advice or insight before I consume it, even though it looks like it may be, you know, uh, not, not detrimental to me, but beneficial. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, so when you do get a new medication, so when you do go to the pharmacist, they, some, some pharmacies do print you off a list of the possible side effects, but that is what's um, problematic is that you usually don't know what drugs <laughs> you are allergic to until you have taken that medication and it results in a negative reaction. So this is why genetic testing is so important because with genetic testing, you are able to obtain information about what gene variants you carry. And then we can look at the research to show, the, then we can look to the research to see what gene variants and what drug combinations can mm -hmm. tr trigger an adverse reaction. And if you do carry a gene variant that could trigger an adverse drug reaction, then that drug should be withheld. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. So you can get that testing, um, but it's not like going and saying, well, I'm going to go get like an over-the-counter, uh, figure out what my ancestry is. I mean, this is an actual uh, pharmacogenomics uh, assessment of the 13 billion bits and pieces of ACGTs in, in somebody's body. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, ta it takes time. Um, is it practical for us to be able to like set a timeline that say, says we want all Canadians to have mm -hmm. their genome tested for uh, drug reactions mm -hmm. so that we know? 
Yes. So that's exactly what we're trying to achieve at Adverse Drug Reaction Canada. And we have a lot of really great examples to look to around the world to see how they have achieved that. For example, in Taiwan, there's this hospital, the Chung um, Gung Memorial Hospital. And every week at this hospital, they were um, seeing two patients that would have this some um, condition, this adverse drug reaction called toxic epidermal necrolysis. So that was the condition that my sister had. Oh. And so this is a, a condition that uses a lot of healthcare resources and there's prolonged hospitalization. And um, individuals who do get this type of adverse drug reaction, what happens is that the top layer of your skin, the epidermis starts peeling off in layers. So it also has a psychological impact on patients as well. So at this hospital, there was, um, because there were just so many individuals coming in with this condition, what they decided to do was um, they decided to start keeping a database. So there was a husband and wife, um, a couple there who were researchers. So they established this database where they would um, record the name of the patient, what drug that patient had taken, and also put their DNA on profile. So, so, uh, so, so profile, they, they became a reference point. Then. Yes. Okay. So, so a DNA of um, what gene variants that individual carries. And very soon they saw that um, all of these individuals that had come in for um, having toxic epidermal necrolysis, they all had taken this drug called carbamazepine and they all had an HLA gene variant in common. So from that, they were able to determine that when you combine this HLA variant with carbamazepine, um, it results in an adverse drug reaction. And in order to test this, what they had done was they had, um, for any new patient that needed to be on this drug, they tested them to see if they carried this HLA variant. And if they did, then they were given an alternative drug instead of this trigger drug. And then very soon they saw that their hospital admissions for toxic epidermal necrolysis be began to fall. So that was one of the first um, our earliest research there um, that showed that, it, that adverse drug reactions, they were being driven by what gene variants you carry. We, when we look to see what's happening around the world, the, the United Kingdom is a really great model. So in the UK, they launched this initiative called the 100,000 Genome Project. And under this project, they had asked individuals if you have cancer, if you've had a rare genetic condition, if you have a rare disease, a lot of rare diseases are caused from adverse drug reactions. Um, well, not a lot, but some of them mm -hmm. are, come from adverse drug reactions. They asked UK citizens to put, um, donate their DNA and put that on profile. And very soon when they had this database, they discovered all of these correlations that existed. So you could have been an individual with a rare disease in one end of the country, and you thought you were the only individual that had that rare condition. Mm -hmm. And um, you're, you had never been able to get answers for why that condition existed, but they were able to see that, no, there's individuals in this part of the country that also have that, and in this part of the country as well, and here. So these four individuals, they you can now see that they had a rare, um, that they had a gene variant in common. 
So we are hoping that Canada at some point adopts what mm. the United Kingdom has done. So under Genomics England, what they have done there is that they've created um, they've created these genomics hubs all across the country, which mm. are government owned. So there's seven hubs across the United Kingdom. So anytime that an individual goes into a hospital or a health facility and they need their genome sequence, their uh, DNA is sent to one of these hubs and there's individuals there that do uh, genomic sequencing and they also provide an analysis of um, what that information means and then send it back to clinicians at the health facility you are at. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. So uh, let's touch on uh, the uh, incident with your sister that ignited what has now become Adverse Drug Reaction Canada. What happened in her case that led to her being very, very seriously ill and that uh, at, at one point you were concerned that she was not going to survive? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my sister was a 19-year-old student at the University of British Columbia, UBC. She just had the common cold and she went to UBC Student Health Services. On her way out, she was given a sample of uh, ibuprofen drug for cold and sinus. And um, she went back to her residence, took that drug, and within a few days, her eyes had turned red and she had rash on her body. And she was referred to UBC Eye Care Clinic, which is located on the Vancouver General Hospital campus. Mm -hmm. They examined her eyes, couldn't really figure out what was wrong. They did try to locate a dermatologist to come and see her, but none were available and told her if things get um, worse to come back to um, to come back to the hospital. So and they got worse. Yes. And things mm -hmm. did get worse um, within a few days. She had blisters on the top half of, her, half of her body that were the size of golf balls. And she was sent by ambulance to Vancouver General Hospital. Once she got to the ER there, they did a biopsy. And, was, and afterwards, she was sent to the burn plastic and trauma unit until the biopsy results came in. And then they tried to figure out what was happening. And then it was until like the next morning, I was there with my mom in the um, in the family waiting room, and the dermatologist came in and to share the biopsy results with her and give us a diagnosis. And at that point, the dermatologist said she had allergic reaction to the ibuprofen drug that she had taken, and she had a condition, um, an adverse drug reaction, which is now which is called toxic epidermal necrolysis. So the top layer of her skin starts peeling off. And if treatment does not work, then an individual could pass away from that. And I was in my early 20s then. And I remember just being so utterly confused and continuously asking the term dermatologist, how could this have happened? How could a drug which was supposed to help alleviate the common cold be much worse, the consequences of that, how could that be much worse than the actual cold? And I asked the dermatologist that, I asked every physician that attended to her that same question about how could this have been prevented? And I was just told that adverse drug reactions are, norm, uh, are very common. They happen to thousands of Canadians every year, but we don't have a way that we can prevent adverse drug reactions from occurring. Well, well, not well. We didn't at that point. 
So what did you do? Like you, you weren't going to accept that as being an acceptable mm -hmm. explanation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that was back in 2010 when my sister had got sick and um, it was, well, fast forward five years later, it was the fall of 2015. We should mention that your sister thankfully overcame yes. this and, yes. and is okay now. Yes, my sister yeah. is okay now. She recovered yeah. from that experience, but she does have chronic di um, dry eye. So she does have to um, see an eye care specialist um, on a regular basis. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to yes. 2015. Yeah. So mm -hmm. in 2015, um, I had just finished grad school the year before, and I was just randomly scrolling through the internet, and I came across this article that talked about gene variants. And it talked about how there's... Now, that, that there's now research that shows that there are certain gene variants which can predict your susceptibility to certain diseases. And there are some gene variants that an individual could carry that, de that would determine whether or not you can have an adverse drug reaction to a certain medication. And this just got me so excited. I don't think I've ever been so excited in my life for anything. I remember printing off the article and sharing it with my mom, sharing it with everybody, because this article was telling me that adverse drug reactions can be prevented. And the ordeal that my family had gone through, the suffering that my family had gone through, it could potentially be prevented. So what were the next steps that you took? Because, uh, you know, to go out and say, well, I'm going to take this on. It's a big endeavor. Mm -hmm. How did you manage to get it going? So I was very lucky that I still had access to academic journal databases from being in grad school previously the year before. So I was so excited about this article that I went to these academic databases and I typed in pharmacogenomics, genetics, the names of various adverse drug reactions, mm -hmm. such as Stevens-Johnson syndrome, Dress syndrome. And very soon I started to see that there was literature everywhere across the world and new literature coming in almost on like a regular basis, which was showing um, that there was all these discoveries being made around the world that was showing that certain gene variants and certain drugs, when they combine, they could have this cat catastrophic event. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. Still, you have this information. Mm -hmm. Where do you go with it? And how do you start to make changes in the system so that uh, we can move towards a situation where people are forewarned about mm -hmm. what could be an adverse drug reaction? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my background is in political science and I studied public policy and public administration. So I, I am familiar with how to write policy. So um, after I had looked through all of these journal articles, I took down the names of those researchers and I sent an email to all of these researchers all around the world. Of course you would. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there was this researcher at Vanderbilt University in the United States who was looking into um, how toxic epidermal necrolysis is caused, so the condition that my sister had. And there was researchers in Thailand, Taiwan, and Singapore that were starting to make all of these discover, dis, um, discoveries about destructive drug gene combinations. So I talked to them and um, I wanted to know for sure that that's what it was, that when certain genes combine with certain drugs, that's what causes adverse reactions. And um, so they were 
so they were sharing with me all of this research that showed that adverse drug reactions could be preventable if you figure out what gene variants an individual carries. And, um, but I didn't know what was happening here in Canada until I was at the Vancouver Board of Trade and I ran into, um, I was at this Vancouver Board of Trade event in, and standing in line um, for newcomers to the Vancouver Board of Trade. And there was uh, an individual behind me and he was, um, we introduced ourselves to each other. And um, he asked me what, what I did for work. And I remember saying to him, oh, I hate when people ask that question because I um, had just been laid off from, from my job. And um, he was like, okay, tell me, some, tell me a, a, an article that you read or tell me, tell me something new. Yeah. So I started telling him about um, this article that I had read about gene variants and I was so enthusiastic and excited about this article. And um, he, we connected a few days later and he has a background in life sciences and is really into preventive medicine and said, oh, he knows all of these researchers at UBC who are also really, um, who are working in the field of pharmacogenomics. So I reached out to these researchers afterwards and um, connected with others at UBC who work in life sciences and pharmaceutical sciences. And they talked to me about all of the research that's happening at UBC. So with that research and also with the information I had obtained from these researchers in South um, Asia and then also in the United States, um, I saw that there was all of these discoveries being made, but they weren't being translated into policy. So um, we knew that certain um, what how drug reactions were being caused, but nobody was really advocating that we should introduce pharmacogenomics into a regular part of healthcare. And how are you doing on getting the, you know, the healthcare system Mm -hmm. to now start to move in that direction because in in essence you become an advocate an mm -hmm. advocate for this mm -hmm. you're uh, slowly building momentum around it mm -hmm. but where are you at and being able to make a difference mm -hmm. yeah so after i had gathered all of this research um i wrote a policy proposal in my in my spare time and I had just kept that on my computer, um, didn't know what I was going to do with it, but I had started to brainstorm how, what would be the best method that we could um, introduce pharmacogenomics into the Canadian healthcare system. And uh, I remember being on Twitter and coming across this posting, um, this tweet saying that, uh, that the Canadian Science Policy Conference is accepting proposals. Um, for any innovative ideas that Canadians have um, on how to bridge the gap between policy and um, practice, and, yeah, yeah, policy, research, and practice, yeah. because there is a lot of great science and a lot of that that's generated every year in labs um, and in in research institutions all across the country. Um, but a lot of it does not get translated into policy. Mm -hmm. So I had submitted my paper proposal um, to. The Canadian Science Policy Conference, and I was informed a few months later that they wanted to give me this national award, um, uh, which is awarded annually to a Canadian under the age of 35 who has um, created a, a compelling evidence-based um, policy proposal that will make a positive impact to Canadians. So I think that really got the ball rolling on this initiative for me because afterwards I was in, after I had received this award, there was 
the Canadian science community really had my back and they were really supportive of helping me to push this idea forward. And also um, after I had received that award, there was Canadians all across the country who contacted me and wow. contacted me to share stories about how their son or daughter or mom or dad had passed away from an adverse drug reaction. Right. And then I started realizing what a huge problem it is in Canada. And also, um, it, I think they were um, also happy that this was like the first time that somebody was talking about adverse drug reactions. Wow. So where are we at today as far as adverse drug reaction, Canada and your influence on uh, policy? So there are, so um, at Adverse Drug Reaction Canada, our primary purpose is to support patients and family members who have been impacted by an adverse drug reaction, but we also are advocating for the mitigation of adverse drug reactions. So there's two objectives which we wish to achieve. First of all, we want to establish um, a national mandatory database. So right now it's not mandatory for all adverse drug reactions to be reported to Health Canada, which is highly problematic because Health Canada is the regulatory body that's responsible for monitoring what drugs come mm -hmm. onto the market. They are responsible for ensuring that drugs are safe and effective, but Health Canada is not aware about what drugs Canadians are passing away from. They don't have the entire picture. So um, prior to December 2019, it wasn't even mandatory for hospitals to, re to report adverse drug reactions to Health Canada. So Health Canada is not aware that um, my sister almost passed away from this common ibuprofen drug. And I think that if you're the national regulatory body, you should be made aware of, made aware of that. So, so you're still knocking at the door trying to get people to listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes, trying to get government to listen. And um, the, the way that we have discovered destructive drug gene combinations is by gathering data. So we do hope that more data can be gathered um, here in Canada. So many researchers I've, I've talked to have said that it would be great if um, not, not, not only if we had a national database, but if that national database also recorded information about our, our gene variants. So we can make those um, discoveries about what drugs and what gene variant combinations are driving adverse drug reactions. So what kind of assistance do you need? Let's say someone's watching this and goes, okay, mm -hmm. I want to help. Uh, what kind of assistance do you need to help move, you know, like awareness and action mm -hmm. that can lead to policy changes? Um, what can people do to help you? Um, so it, it, I, it's highly important that we do have universal genetic testing. I believe that uh, Canadians should be have access to life-saving information. If there's information that could prevent um, an adverse drug reaction from happening or give you more information about a rare disease you might have or even um, let you know what your susceptibility is to certain diseases. I think you, you should be able to have access to that information. So if Canadians could advocate to their elected officials that we do need mandatory reporting and that we need universal genetic testing, that would be, that would be great. And I note on your website that people can donate to help you yes build more momentum. Yes. So that you need some money yes. in other words. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's another way that you can contribute. So we are um, hoping to 
keep advocating for this issue because, well, ad as I mentioned, adverse drug reactions are the leading cause of, one of the leading causes of death in Canada. There's uh, over 10,000 Canadians that will pass away every year from an adverse drug reaction. So um, the more we can advocate for that, um, the, the better health outcomes that will be for all Canadians. We need to continue to raise awareness. Mm -hmm. And you're doing a great job of it, but you're one voice and you need support. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for coming in and sharing this with us Yeah, today. thank you for having me, Stuart. Thank you for listening, and please visit conversationsthatmatter.ca and become a subscriber. And thank you to Audlin Brown, BD Developments, and Stem Cell Technologies for their support.